Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange, and HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect to yourself, to others, and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and we're now boosted by humans first. And it's always good to have the founder, Mike McCanty, on the call. We've got one of my favorite other human beings, Perry Timms from PTHR, multiple speak, uh, TEDx speaker and author. And we also have the wonderful Heather Hansen Wickman, who is... <laughs> Amazing. And the last time we had a big, long conversation was on the Have Courage Summit last year. So I'm really, uh, really looking forward to us catching up. And Heather is a founder of Untethered Consulting and also the author of a fantastic book, Go Read It, called The Evolved Executive. Hello, everyone. How are you? Wonderful. Great to be here, Gary. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Well, look, for those that may not know you that are joining us today, could I ask maybe Heather, would you mind just giving us a a sort of couple of minutes low down, you know, what are you working on at the moment? What are you, what are you passionate about? It'd be really nice to start with you, then we'll come to Perry and uh, then we'll unfold a lovely conversation. Wonderful. Yeah, so again, my name's Heather and my biggest area of passion right now is really around this uh, idea of the deliberately developmental organization or kind of this idea of a growth culture that everyone's working to grow themselves every day on purpose. And so have been working with a variety of individual clients as well as healthcare organizations to really find ways to accelerate change. Um, and as all you four know, I also have a huge passion in equine facilitated coaching. So I'm doing some work in that space. Then probably news to some of you at least is working on a second edition of the book. So that's a lot of fun as well. So I'm excited. So that's me checked in. What? You need to give Mr. Vacanti some lessons. That's very impressive. Um, Perry, <laughs> on to you. Thank you. So uh, thanks, Heather, for reminding me that I, too, am writing a second edition of my first book. So Transformational HI is going to have an upgrade in 2021, which I'm really pleased about. Um, and you talk about uh, equine, and, and I'm really interested at the moment in human horsepower, not in the sort of purely muscular sense. Uh, but the, I guess the momentum and the energy and the attention and the focus and the care that we can have on ourselves and also the things we're choosing to do in our working exploits. So um, I guess to go back to you um, and the whole untethered concept, um, I'm trying to untether human spirit because it's in a cage quite often mm -hmm. uh, in organisations, locked down mm -hmm. and, and restricted. Um, and I just want to see this people-powered version of it take us out of the current crisis we're in um, and we have this kind of collective um, endeavor um, and, and I'm building some mechanisms with which to host that uh, where organizations can quite literally set people free from that cage mm. um, they go into an environment and, and shape the change around them so I mean that's really interesting me right now thank you Gary 
That's amazing. And, and Mike, let's, let's bring you in, actually, just for a moment. Yeah. Like, for those that may not actually know you so well before this conversation, tell us a bit about Believership and the work that's coming through with your work at the moment as well before we uh, meander a bit further. Yes, thank you. So Believership is really about taking down the containers of leadership that no longer serve us. So we've, we've, you know, we've been operating on what I think are flawed myths or idyllic constructs that no longer serve where we are for leadership. It's not about command. It is about choice. Um, and we need to allow the best people to rise. Um, so, the, the, you know, working within organizations to empower people to be their best selves and um, um, to, to unleash the potential and to build capacity inside organizations. Um, that is the change network that, you know, is being hap that's happening through the believership programs and, and the book with leadership. And then the humans first stuff is all of this to make sure that we're inviting all the voices to the conversation and elevating, you know, Heather and Perry and, and you, Gary, and, and all of the people that I think are bringing better ideas and better programs to bear um, to crush through. And I'm using those words and those sound like harsh words, but to crush through the barriers that have become so formidable um, over time that um, we deserve better. And we're at a time where better is a necessity to meet the rapid um, and the, the rapid change and the significant change that we're going to continue to face. I really love that. And I think, I hope if you're joining us today, you can see that there's three very different but connected ways of trying to unleash human potential going on right here. Like there is no one right, right, um, one right way. And I think this is something even I'm becoming more and more aware of and attuned to. It's like you've got seven and a half, maybe more than seven and a half billion people now on this planet with a unique lens on the world. Yet how many of those do we actually experience or hear from or include as part of this whole design? So I'd love to pop, pop back to you, Heather. Like, what is it about the deliberately developmental organization that really sort of grabs yeah. you as a, as a structure or a way of being that, that, that really sort of resonates with you personally? Yeah. You know, the thing that I feel most uh, aligned with is the idea of accelerated change or accelerated growth. And personally, my perspective is that um, this is a, a perfect time for us to really leverage this opportunity to grow and grow quickly. And the, the format or the structure of a DDO in which everyone is learning every day together in this supportive system is frankly one of the, one of the few, if only, accelerated change methodologies that I've seen work well at scale. And so I'm really excited about that. And it's done from love, right? So my perspective would be, let's, let's integrate love and move away from fear. Well, this really is that opportunity to be able to support each other, to push each other, to challenge each other in a place where it's okay to fail and we're all going to learn through it together. So I think it's just perfect for where we're at and I've seen a lot of success. So that's probably why I'm most excited right now. It's, it's, so, it's so interesting, isn't it? What I'm sensing, Heather, and all of us, is, it's like right now, as horrible and extreme as the situation mm -hmm. is, it's almost like the perfect playground. Like if you've, been, if you've been telling yourself you can't do X or you can't do Y for the last 30 years, it's like everything's up for grabs right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and I would say one thing, like I have tremendous compassion for um, what is going on in the world. And I think it's a huge impetus for change. I think there's an opportunity for us to go back to return to normal or innovate into our essence or innovate into the future. And I'm super excited about the innovating into the future part. And so I think this is the time where we can really check that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how's, how's what's, what's coming up for you, Mike, when you, uh, when you hear Heather? Um, so the word love has always been um, hugely appealing that, you know, the book is, um, uh, the, um, is, you know, putting love in action. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, you know, Heather has brought that forward and with some depth of research, um, incredible research actually, but the, um, the evolved executive really does, um, change that lens on what's possible. And, what I love with Heather's work is she continues to um, um, exemplify that by real work on the ground inside mm -hmm. companies. So when she says DDO, the, the um, deliberately developmental organization, um, th that's a, that's a real thing. And so that's what comes up is it's not theory with Heather. Right, that right. She's out making it happen every day. Um, and the fearlessness of centering it truly on love instead of using the other 400 words we like to wrap around and, and, um, and call it like we love compassion and empathy and all, you know, we, we, mm -hmm. we use all the other words wrapping around it. And, you know, love's probably the only one that is strong enough to play in the sandbox with fear and greed. There we go. Yeah. Well, how about you, Perry? What's coming up for you as we as we get as we get going? <laughs> all lots, all lots. So, um, so I've got a T-shirt on of a, a New York-based record label called Daptone, right? And if you know your soul music, they are kind of a retro soul label. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just thinking about the story of a guy called Charles Bradley who recently died, bless him, about three or four years ago. Um, and he toiled the clubs in the States doing kind of James Brown impressions until this Daptone Records came along and sort of said, hey, you're good enough to stand in your own space, right? So this was a guy who loved his music. He loved his family. He loved his heritage, going back to Mike's point. And then they gave him a stage as Charles Bradley. And then the world fell in love with Charles Bradley, not because he could impersonate James Brown, but because he was who he wanted to be, right? Mm. And, and it reminds me of the Vince Lombardi quote, which I'm sure Mike and Heather will know the measure of who we are is what we do with what we have mm. so what he had was an incredible soul voice and an incredible narrative and this record label just created a brief moment of stardom for him and what I'm seeing is the opportunity for people to have their Charles Bradley moment right they've been toiling as a job description and a replicant of mm -hmm. everybody else in the workplace but they have their own spirit. They have their own soul. They can have their Charles Bradley moment. Yeah. And I just think that the workplace totally needs that regenerative spirit, not just this turn up and deplete. So I'm sure when Charles was doing his James Brown tribute act, he would be enjoying it, but he would go home completely exhausted at the end of it. And he'd have to do the same thing again, the kind of replication of work in that mono monotone sort of sense. And then he became him and he was singing his songs and he was regenerated every time he went on stage. Mm -hmm. So he didn't come off exhausted. He came off buzzing. That's what I want people to experience from their work, that they love themselves because they found who they are. Regenerative spirit and the uh, turn up and deplete. Wow. Yeah. 
Love both of those. I mean, those, what, what great descriptors, Perry. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, Gary, you mind if I jump in on that just a bit? Oh, flow, flow away, flow away. Yeah. Heather. Perry, you touched on something that I think is huge and it keeps bubbling for me, and that's, that's, that's self-love, to be able to come into the workplace and really not self-love from a place of arrogance, but self-love from a place of authenticity to be able to step into your soul and have that moment of who you really are and creating cultures and organizations and leaders that can support that. I think there's something so magical in that space that I haven't wrapped my head around completely yet, but I know it's needed to be able to really foster that sense of self-love. Mm. Yeah, I think Tracy Fenton at World Blue calls it self-worth in many respects. You've yeah. got to have the self-worth to start with in order for others to be able to come into that space and then love themselves in that way. Mm. And, and I suppose we're seeing some lessons all the time, aren't we, with high levels of burnout. And my profession hasn't got the best reputation in world HR for always being uh, on the side of people it's often considered to be on the side right. of the process right so um, uh, but what's happened in COVID-19 responses is HR people have stepped in and gone the most important thing is that we look after our people and we create social distance and we help them work from home and we adapt and they are exhausted but they have proven that companies are as Mike said myths without their people they're the energy source that keeps the whole thing going and so i'm liking the fact they've got a different reputation already almost overnight where they've acted in the in the right way and they've looked after their people so we're learning some really important lessons right now mm -hmm. what, what do you think i'm just really interested to throw this out in there's so much talk and again being empathetic absolutely as you can Heather, to the situation um, globally like what are the what are some of the risks that you sense you know, if we go back to, or we, this rising consciousness, I think we can all feel is a higher vibration right now. People have slowed down. They're at 30, 40 miles an hour, not a hundred. They're seeing and sensing at a rate they've probably never done in their life. Mm -hmm. Some of that might be scary. Some of it might be exciting. But how do we, how do we on this call and for those that are listening, what can we do? How can we help people step into that space and maybe be courageous in reviewing their self-worth levels or, what relationships are the ones that serve them? You know, what sort of things are coming up for you around that sort of, that exploration? Mm. I'll jump in because my, my answer is quick and um, my answer would be for us to do it ourselves. And so to be models of that work. And this has been an incredible time for me to dive into uh, a few different really potent areas of growth, because I think in this environment, our triggers show up for us in really glaring ways. And so uh, invite us to take a look at our blind sides, our, our, our shadows that we're really not willing to, to maybe play with as often, but today they oftentimes are put out in the forefront for us to deal with front and center. So um, my two cents right in the moment is that the best work that I can do right now, I think is to, to be the model, to do as much of that work I can myself to then support my clients in doing it. I'll, uh, I'll build on that because, I mean, I think absolutely there's a starting point there. So going into the work that we're doing, and it talks to what Mike said earlier on about choice. I think at the moment, I think the greatest thing that a leader could do is not just give strong direction or vision, but open up choice and help people understand mm -hmm. the choices that are, are with them right now. And those choices might only be for the next 
three days for the next three weeks or the next three months but we're desperately confused by what's going on right now and as a leader often people are going so what do we do in leader and the leader's like do you know what i really don't know but if you <laughs> want me to create something i will but that might not be what's needed well stop guessing and just create choice frames give people options give them mm -hmm. the chance to step into their space and so the work we do when we go into an organization and help them learn agile might seem like we're just implementing a methodology or something but actually what we're doing is we are subliminally creating a ton of choice because we ask people to step in if they want to we ask them to learn at the pace they want to and we ask leaders to let go in a way that creates more of that space so mm -hmm. i think you're right heather there's the model it and then there's the kind of uh, make it available i think um, exactly. but if if nothing else i'd love to see the response to the crisis now defined by choice not by control mm -hmm. beautiful yeah, so i i mean the, the the choice over control and then i mean building on both of you what what comes up for me really quickly is that um there are some limiting beliefs there's, there's some experience, there's some knowledge, there's some handed down wisdom about the old paradigm that we're just accepting as is. And um, the great opportunity is to hire a coach. Like when you say it's, you know, it's your, it, it's personal, it is personal for me, but part of that exploration is every day going back and making sure that the limiting beliefs that I inherited over my life are not creeping back in and blocking out possibilities for mm -hmm. that innovating into the future. Um, and I, you know, we're in a time where we can simplify our way forward. We don't need any more complexity. We've already figured all that out. You know, we've built the streams and the roots and the, and the foundations into solid state business over the last hundred years brilliantly. We actually need to start dismantling some of that so we can be more agile and move forward. And I hear that from both of you. And I just, um, I, I just wanted to pull out that one point because I think that's such a common thread. We can simplify ourselves into agility. Um, we don't have to recreate it. We're actually, um, we can simplify our way to that yeah. speed to innovation. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. I, I'm going to come in on that, Gary, because one of the things that is perplexing some people I'm talking about is the act of turning up at a workplace, right? Now, we know that not everybody has that choice, right? We know that if you're in a care home or if you're a part of a firefighting unit, you've got to be with the team in the place you need to be. And that doesn't mean you can remotely work from home or whatever it might be. However, I think we need to think about those um, limited beliefs and those hardwired mm -hmm. habits that we've had where you need to be present and commuting and all those complexities that Mike's talking about we've built into that equation and now I can just rock up into my space at home log in do my stuff apparently today Barclays Bank in the UK have said they are prepared to have a third of their workforce working from home and that's almost like an overnight decision from a huge multinational financial and the people who are running property at the moment, I think, are thinking, hang on, how do we do social distancing and serendipitous innovation and togetherness and so on, when actually people may have an anxiety about commutes and about giving up the, the sort of simplicity that they've found with life now. Um, 
there's some big ticket issues about mm -hmm. the new version uh, that's coming through. So, um, so Mike hits on something really, really strong, which is if we're not careful, the limiting beliefs will just get us back into the old habits and it will just seem like a, a nasty incident. When actually, mm -hmm. it really is a way of simplifying life and work and exploits. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's, it's so interesting listening to the three of you because I just... What comes up for me really, really powerfully is around this, this point you've made about choice, Perry. Like, mm -hmm. actually, the opportunity to truly ignite employee voice, as in continuously, we've got the tech, we've got the platforms. It's the intention. Do we actually want to go back to telling people what to do, i.e. you need to be in the office, or do we actually want to co-create what the future looks like with our people rather than do it to their people? Does that resonate, or do you challenge that, Heather? What's that? How's that come up for you? Oh, no, absolutely. I, I resonate with that in this conversation, especially from the limited beliefs. I think we're in a time where we can play with this idea of almost assumption reversal. So as a, as a way just for me to play, I'm kind of in the space of, okay, that's my normal belief. What happens if I do the opposite? Like, maybe that would actually be better right now. <laughs> and so I think there is a, a beautiful place to co-create and to really reverse some of those belief systems or at least play with the idea of what would happen if we reverse them. Can I give you a really simple one on that? So yeah. here's, a, here's a paradigm shift that we'll look at, you know, the traditional business and well, now that we're going to go into this innovative state, how do we do it? Well, we have Heather here who's an expert. We have Perry here who's an expert. So what we do certainly is let's build a, an accreditation program around them. <laughs> and then what we can do is we can funnel hundreds of people into the door to give each of them thousands of dollars and they can walk away with their new patch for their jacket they can sew on and say, look, I'm certified in Perry and Heather. It's a wonderful, and I've paid all my money and now you can hire me and I'll certify you. Yeah. Um, and what's happening now is like, I can just go embrace Perry and Heather and bring them into my company. They're going to create this goodness around my employees that are already there and paid. And they're going to transition it right to them. And they're going to be able to hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. I don't have to send them off to um, camp to get <laughs> a new pin for their jacket. Um, I can actually bring in these brilliant people and have them transform my organization right now. I don't have to wait for McKinsey to come up with their five-pronged program to get through the COVID disaster and then you know train all their people and then come in and train you on the one way, apparently, mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. Um, we're in a new agile world mm -hmm. and the experts are sitting right in front of you. And mm -hmm. that choice changes the world. Yeah. I think um, there's, I've got an example of that in action recently with a, a client. So we were, we were having a conversation on Zoom like this about how do we create engagement and connection even though we're all separated. And they had brought me in because I was, you know, a perceived expert in being able to do some of this work. And I flipped it and I said, okay, I have a belief system and I know you guys do too and probably everyone who's watching that the wisdom in the room can solve the problem. And so just flipped it. And one of the brand new staff had almost the best idea. And so all I did was ask a question and the team absolutely did the work themselves. And so it was a beautiful moment of that team recognizing that 
oh my God, like we actually know what we need to do right now. It was just a beautiful moment. I think that that is a DDO, isn't it? That is a deliberately developmental organization without any engineering. It's like a right. naturally occurring set of circumstances where I think going back to Mike's, Mike's point, the simplicity in it is exactly. when you can ask those questions mm -hmm. and 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 the solution thing is um uh, uh, evident and it's perhaps a little bit of a, an assembly of different contributions and mm -hmm. so we we can become almost like the the host for that and the playback it's almost like you know the instruments know uh, what they're doing the people with the instruments know <laughs> what they're doing we have the sheet music but let's let's do a bit of improv and then we exactly. listen to the wood section and we listen to the strings and then we as the conductor kind of go now let's put this together and then boom yeah um, i love the thought that we could orchestrate that i think that's that's pretty powerful and as a leader i'd want to step into that space i wouldn't want to force things on anybody i just want to yeah. conduct the movement um there's a lot in music isn't there that's beautiful that's totally with you there perry i was actually enjoying the whole conductor sort of mm -hmm. you couldn't see <laughs> it was beautiful <laughs> i want to come back to heather because i think two words that have come up for me a couple of times that you've spoken so far playful like mm. that one's coming through really really powerfully as you speak mm -hmm. we've really given away that play for so many years now like actually creating a space for us just to throw crazy ideas around and see what could it be like reimagining what something could be like a process yeah. a product like, yeah i just i really hope people hear that like it's okay to play <laughs> and it might be absolutely the essential ingredient to play and have some fun I, I do think that that is true. I think we oftentimes have this, you know, crunchy kind of feeling around it's, it's hard work and it's this growth stuff and this change stuff and this agile stuff is like, er, mind bending. Actually, no, it's a lot of fun and it's curious and it's playful and it's, you know, <laughs> so I think there's a, a setting the stage going back to Perry's like conductor orchestra idea of like, how can we create the stage where this is fun and we can play and we can learn and it doesn't have to be crunchy. <laughs> So I don't know if any of you have read Dave Graeber's book, Bullshit Jobs. Have you read that? No. Oh, it's a cool book, right? And there's a quote that's just so right. And I, luckily, I've been um, in lockdown. I've been writing stuff down again because I just absolutely love that. And there's a quote from Friedrich Schiller. So we're talking about you know, somebody who's got a bit of a philosophical mind on the world. And he says, art and play is the exercise of freedom. Oh, exercise of freedom. Love that. And, and you think about that. They, you make up the rules as you go along. There are different interpretations and definitions, and that's when we are at our most receptive and creative, and I guess resilient. Even when art and play are the frame. So absolutely, you fit on something. We need mm -hmm. to build to the future. Yeah. I love that. So David Graeber, when you listen to this, um, 5-4-2020 was the day that I bought your book because it's the second time it's come up today in conversation. Um, you know, Perry, I think there's just such wonder in that. And, you know, Heather, as you were talking about the playfulness and then again, all three of you have mentioned, you know, that orchestration model or the orchestra model. And each of those different instruments, right? Each of, the, each of the players of those instruments have mastered their, are working to master their instrument, knowing that there's no perfection. There's never that perfect note that can be repeated again the next time, but they're always striving 
to become better at their instrument, knowing that's their contribution to the sound that's coming from the whole. And mm -hmm. so the percussionist is working on their skill and their craft and is dependent on the other. And they know that they can't perfect it, but they're always working towards improving or meeting that, that one live performance where it all came together and it was just magic, right? And, and that, when I think of play, I, that is playful right it's and and the you know that there's surge of emotion and energy in that and it, it's almost like it's okay to run in the hallways it's it's okay to, to want to try to improve because it won't be perfect and it's cool because it's yeah. going to sound great anyway um it's intent i i i i think that illustration you brought perry it, it just really started becoming colorful for me mm-hmm yeah it's so does i just honestly i'm grinning i'm just grinning because <laughs> but but even but even speaking the word playful shifts an energy in you doesn't it you know just it just uplifts you yeah and i just think maybe we can talk a little bit about that perry because your next book is yeah. actually around it so can you, would you mind explaining give us a bit of context around yeah you're writing yeah sure so the theory is really that we design organizations from a very mechanistic standpoint of you know inputs throughputs outputs and so on when actually there's a chance for us to design organizations best around the energy that people have and so it talks to the ddo concept heather for sure because a ddo really it's energy sources the people and their willingness and intent as you just described and so i've got into the psyche of um, uh, what happens to our energy in the workplace and mostly it's that deplete thing i talked about and it's locked down and plugged mm -hmm. in the matrix illustration is the classic one with keanu reeves plugged in and he's the power source you know that's really what's happened in organizations up to probably quite recently unless you find a few that that are quite regenerative they're almost solar they 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 kind of regenerate themselves and the essence of it is that we come alive when we are in spaces where often there's something new to discover and explore new people new um, things to learn uh, new clients to service new products to build um, new problems to solve even and and yet we try and mechanize everything going back to mike's point of not mm -hmm. simplifying it complexity kind of wrangling it through and so the book says well can we design organizations first of all from a eudaimonia perspective that they are there so humans flourish that's the first point then the second point is we need to understand what our energy is all about what what, what makes us come alive what does spark us and deflate us sometimes it's other people sometimes it's the work we do sometimes it's routine sometimes it's variety but we're all so different this whole construct of a job description is an utter anathema to that because <laughs> it, it just treats people like a plug-in device and we're not that so i'm really interested in how people can craft their own destiny in their workplace and they have to get to a point where they understand who they are and they understand the reason they're there and then craft the job so i don't kid myself that it took me a while to understand what really charged me but if i'd have had an accelerated going back to heather's point an accelerated version of that as a teenager or an early 20 something i'd have had a ball throughout the rest of my working life and don't get me wrong i've had a pretty good one but i've had to discover it myself quite quite sort of lengthy period and i just want to bring that nearer to people so it's like who are you what are you here for how do you discover that and then go do it pretty much yeah. um so that's the premise of the book gary now i know that's a difficult concept for people to get their heads around because it, it is counter the 
you know, the production line and the sort of escalation of competency that we have. Um, but just something like confidence, when you've got some confidence in yourself because you believe in yourself, whether it's creativity or the new person you talked about, Heather, who came up with that breakthrough idea, they, they had so much confidence to go away from the fact that I'm a new person, I should shut up and chip in. And I bet you their energy levels were absolutely sky high when people mm -hmm. rallied to that. And so th these are the sort of lessons I think we need to learn. And how can we create organizations where people are designed around energy, not around competence? That's the whole concept. So um, we'll see what the world thinks of it. But I read it um, uh, as a sort of proofread concept, just as the um, virus outbreak uh, came through. And I was like, oh, my goodness, does this book still stand up? And as I read through it, I kind of thought, maybe we need it more now. <laughs> so yeah. who knows? But that's yeah. the premise behind it. I'm just fascinated by how we can energize ourselves versus be completely wiped out. Yeah. I, I can't wait to read the book. And um, I, I'll plant a seed because I'm sure this could be a diff another whole conversation. But the idea of um, how energy and emotions begin to play with each other, because I'm finding um, as we can play to energy, the idea of emotional literacy or emotional fluency really comes into play by being able to recognize that in this moment, I feel really energized. And why do I feel energized? Because I'm doing X, Y, or Z and being able to understand how our emotions are really informing our energy and informing kind of that, that awaken the soul kind of perspective. And um, anyways, and be a, a super fun conversation down the road as yeah. well. <laughs> I made a note. I made a note. Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. I'm so excited by this because I think the reason I'm beaming as you two speak is there's just, there is such an interplay between the emotion and the energy part, like hands down. But I think it's, it also just allows us to, I think you used the word earlier, like, like our human experience is moment by moment. Like I've only learned that the last 18 months. Like if this COVID-19 crisis hasn't confirmed that, like we really do need to have a word with someone but like this is literally in the moment life unfolding and i think the more we can sort of tap into that heather as you said and sort of mm -hmm. get playful with oh i'm feeling good this hour i'm feeling awful this hour now i'm feeling energized this hour it's like yeah. what's actually why am i undulating exactly. none, none, of, it's, none mm -hmm. of it's right or wrong it's mm -hmm. a data point at that point in time as to what's going on it's like, a teacher mm -hmm. it's just like really i think that is something really to be played with mm -hmm. You know, in the I book, think. I, uh, oh, sorry, Michael. Please, no, no. I want in the book sure. because I, I want to stay there. Please. Okay. <laughs> in the book, I, I uh, try and create a little bit of a journal for people to do exactly what you've just described. When we reflect on the day, it's like, when was I at my best energy wise and why yeah. was that? When did I lose it and why was that? What can I do tomorrow to counteract something that I might come across? And just almost give yourself a little commentary on your energy source peaks lows and so on throughout the day because i think we just don't pay any attention to that mm -hmm. we just kind of coast through we're just we're either on top of it or out of it <laughs> you know it kind of feels like that sorry mike you were going to say no I, I i i love that and and you know building it into construct right where people can actually experience it i i, I think that's a really really important share and that, that's the only thing i was going to say is in that playfulness what we lose sometimes in the in the constructs of of play and when we look at in a professional environment, um, if we can go into those work uh, lives, those arenas that we create for people to perform in, um, and we use it in a playful construct like sport, 
right? I mean, let's look at a a football match, right? European football or soccer match. And um, we know the number of players, right? There's 22 players on the field and we draw a a rectangle. And so that's the containment. and, And we put an objective at each end of the field. And then there's some other, you know, constructs that are built into that. But basically that's the arena. Mm-hmm. And then we tell them to go play. And what happens, happens. Um, conversely, when those would be children playing out there, you would have the parents on the sidelines trying to have their child operate like a remote control vehicle, <laughs> right? Run, kick, get him, chase pass what do you do right it's like we want strings on those children and we want to orchestrate them across the field even though those voices have nothing to do with what's going on with those children but we have this illusion of control from the sidelines as parents and that's the old business paradigm that's the old management thinking where in reality these are adults that are just out on the field playing the game to the best of their ability learning, adapting to each moment, which is a real-time moment. And when we can empower that, we've gotten to the point that I think both of you are teaching to. Um, And the skills are those that are demonstrated in real time in orchestration with others in a very natural way. Mm -hmm. We get the beauty of play actually producing the end results. And I think that environment is possible inside business rather than the one where we're just parenting and with the illusion of control over voice commanding the activity out on the ice or out on the field or in the arena. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. (laughs) It's so much fun. I'm conscious of like, we knew this would happen. Um, What I'd like to invite, if I may, as we wrap up, is for each one of you three, please, just to share an invitation with our listeners who've kindly joined us today. So it's not a recommendation, but more just an invitation, you know, based on what we've discussed today. What would you invite our listeners to think about or feel about or just maybe have a play with, to use your word, Heather? So if we can start with Heather, go to Perry and then finish with Mike. Oh, my goodness. Um, the invitation that I would have today is to go have a little fun and to see what you learn. And that's it. Brilliant. And actually, could you also, as you go through, just leave your contact details as well, Heather, how how best for people to find you? Yeah, absolutely. So online, the website is www.untetheredconsulting.com or heather at untetheredconsulting.com is my email. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you, Heather. Perry. So I think I've got two points. So um, it's good going second. I would say for people to be aware of and journal their energy, because I think it can completely start to shift how much you want to be kind to yourself and and play in in Heather's terms and so on. So that's the first thing, journal your energy. Don't just journal what you do, journal how you feel and how Mm -hmm. your energy sources. And then the second call really is if you're a leader, just think about being the conductor for a while. 
and mm -hmm. not the military precision uh, trying to play every instrument thing and just see what happens because i think there's something really profound when you're stepping back and you're giving those artists the choice to create the sounds they want to create and, and, and build into that symphony symphony um you can get me at um pthr.co.uk and you can email me perry at pthr.co.uk or find me on twitter at perry Tins. thank you gary thank you mike yeah, I'm just going to say that if you're finding yourself uncertain or confused or a little, you know, what, what, what am I going to do next in your business? Or um, I would say, please just reach out and hire Heather or Perry and take a step forward. I mean, st stop doing what you're doing now um, because you're only going to get what you're going to get now. And I know that um, these, these ideas, these programs can move you forward quickly. And then they'll tell you how to get a hold of me. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, all three of you. Absolutely amazing. I'll just add one extra thing, which is be kind to yourself. Mm. You don't need to do everything straight away. Just one thing at a time. Improvise. Have fun. And thank you for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks, Gary. Gary, Gary before you go, can I just add that in a jazz quartet, the most powerful part of that is the drummer. And that's what you've been today. You've been providing the rhythm for us to improvise and riff. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, that's Gary. Awesome. Very kind, Perry. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Ciao for now. Hello there, Gary Turner here, just wrapping up this awesome conversation with Perry, Heather and Mike. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you took away as much as I did from the discussion. I just really, really love the band playing metaphor. You know, we are all part of the band all of the time, whether it's a, we feel like a solo act, having to juggle all of the pieces of, a, of an orchestra, or whether we are part of a team or with our own respective instruments. You know, how often do we actually slow down and breathe and review where we sit within that, uh, within that setup, within that band structure? I just think it's a really helpful metaphor to keep us grounded. Um, a few of the final wrap-up points that I have is when Heather shared um, that I would love to see the response to this crisis now defined by choice and not control. Sorry, that's Perry, not Heather. I would love to see the response to the crisis now defined by choice and not by control. Again, we can let these beliefs go. The, beliefs, no, the belief that we need to control, that we need to see, that we need to coerce, that we need to manipulate, that we need to somehow be whipping a stick, whether it be <laughs> covertly or overtly. Um, come on. Come on, leaders. Come on, organisations. The time's up on this. It makes no sense. As, I, as I've evidenced in my own work and organisation, and there's multiple other examples, designing work intentionally around your people to achieve your outcomes drives better results. Evidence all over the place. So if you need help with that, give me a shout. You can find my website, Gary Turner, one word, G-A-R-R-Y Turner, one word, dot life, L-I-F-E. Find out all about me and how I could support you. And indeed, I can connect you into my network as well, should that be required. Um, point number two, uh, which I love, and this did come from Heather, is why not play with the idea of what would happen if I reversed my beliefs? So why not take a pen and paper right now and write down the five or six things that you believe to be true for you? 
So it might be, I believe that all people have the ability to change. It might be, I believe that if I can't see somebody, they're not working hard enough. You know, it could be anything at all, but be really honest with yourself what those five or six top beliefs are. And then just flip them around. What do you think your world could look like? Just an interesting thought experiment to work with. And finally, I really enjoyed it when Perry shared that I think we need to think about those limiting beliefs and hardwired habits that we've had about commuting, being present, etc. You know, the pandemic has shown us, my own work organisation has seen this where we suddenly went from, you know, certain functions not being able to work from home, you know, HR, finance, IT, etc. And within seven days, amazingly and very impressively, all of these support staff were working from home. You know, how do you unsee that? I don't think you can. I don't think we should. But that doesn't mean that people don't want to be in the office or they don't want to be going back to a central social location. So again, I use this word a lot because it matters. Co-creation. How do we, how do you set up structures, relationships, systems, processes that actually allow everybody to be seen, everyone to be heard, everyone to feed into the structure? And to that end, I'm just going to leave you with um, for those that may or may not know, I'm now um, advising a startup called Equip, and they're actually developing some incredible um, software. Uh, it's a tech startup, and they're doing some great work around helping connect organizations more effectively, particularly those that have multi site or disparate decentralized workforces, um, through a combination of culture building, helping listening, um, helping understand and access listening at every level uh, and indeed helping facilitate change and innovation from the bottom up and the middle out so if that sounds of interest to you do let me know um, as equip are really interested um, in speaking with organizations that want to unleash more of the innate potential of the people that you're already paying salaries to so until next time please jump on with any of the humans first calls again the monday call at midday uk um, a friday call um, at 5pm UK and, and have a wonderful week ahead uh, or whenever you listen to this be well be safe and let's really start to connect and see each other regardless of the hue of our skin um, and I'm really really excited to connect with you if we've not spoken before please do reach out connect with me on LinkedIn you'll find me at you'll find me Gary Turner I interpersonal catalyst on Twitter you'll find me at Gary IP catalyst Again, my website is garyturner.life, G-A-R-R-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R, one word, dot life. And I really hope to hear from you soon. I wish you, you and your families a safe week ahead. Really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O-Change-Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events, of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us. Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.